are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? Well, not a whole lot different than uh, than what we had going on last week. Um, I guess we're just <laughs> falling into more of a routine. Um, last week was, this. just last week kind of... Kind of was a little crazier, and everybody was a little crankier, I think, and especially on the girls' side of things. And, uh, you know, they wanted to kill each other pretty much all week. Uh, but, you know, when you're seeing your sibling 24-7, you know, you're just... I mean, I wouldn't be able to do that with mine. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. they're being really good considering, but, you know, we just got the announcement that they're not going back to school. So, we're just trying to adjust and figure everything out, man. Um, that's... That's pretty much it, and we've had a couple of nice sunny days to get outside, and at least that was a blessing. But how about you? Pretty much same situation. Um, the the thing for me, nothing's really changed for me because I I work from home anyway. In fact, if I'm perfectly honest, it probably would have changed more had it not been for, you know, the the social distancing and and stay at home stuff with COVID because. I started a new job last Monday, mm-hmm. so I would have actually been away out of the house more last week than than normal. But because of the you know the lockdown, I did my onboarding with this new company uh, online, and pretty much day one they put me on a, a project for customers. So been working on that, doing that remotely. It just, you know, nothing really changed. Um, the biggest difference for us, for me and Lori anyway, is that, you know, Bella's back home again because, you know, she would have still been in school up until the end of this month. Mm-hmm. But with the, with this, you know, the school's pretty much closed and she's doing all of that from home now. So, um, it, it I mean, it's kind of odd, but it's, it's really not that much different for us. I guess the biggest thing for us is, uh, we have not gone out to eat. Uh, mm-hmm. We have gotten takeout once or twice, but you know we're we're pretty much staying at home all the time unless you know Lori's kind of um, set herself up as the designated driver when we need something. She she's the one that goes out and gets that. <laughs> Same thing. Jess is all like armored up. She went out this morning. She <laughs> she was up. She was up at like we we finally ran out of like produce and. Ken's Market gets like a delivery. That's like our produce place. Gets a delivery in the early morning. And uh, it's a good time to go because those people are business. All business. People go in there. They get out of there. They don't mingle around. They don't do anything. And they got, they've got they set it up real well. But just, you know, she was... By the time I woke up this morning, I couldn't sleep last night. So I was up pretty late. By the time I woke up this morning, Jess was gone. I had like two missed calls. And then there was a ruckus in the kitchen, and I went out, and she had all the bags out on the tables, and she was spraying everything down with Lysol. She had a she had a my hoodie on, she had a <laughs> pair of pants, she had gloves, she had a mask, she had a hoodie, she had a hat on. <laughs> I was like, whoa! I'm like, that's your apocalyptic armor. I'm like, all this set up, you know. So we had to we Lysoled everything and and cleaned everything, you know. And the thing is, we can't even get Lysol or anything right now. You can't. So we're just like. In fact, we only have masks because uh, my friend Melissa from work started making masks. So she made us all a mask and, and you know, so we got all that going on. And, and Jess had gloves from when she was an athletic trainer, but you can't get them otherwise. I mean, that's all pushed back to May for delivery. So, right. you know, but we were, you know, it, it, it's been a little, it's been a little weird, but I'm not used to working from home like you. I only do it one day a week. Um, I'm used to the whole, I'm not, I'm just now getting used to the whole mobile meetings at any time of the day. Um, staring at my computer and not, I never realized how much I actually moved around during the day and how much I actually talked to people. So I'm really kind of missing that. And I have to remind myself to get up and move. So I've got like a little workout regimen I do, um, and stretching and stuff like that. Because otherwise, man, I'll look up and it'll be 6 PM and I'll be just like, Oh my God, I've been on the computer for four hours and I didn't do anything. You know, like I haven't even gotten up. I'll be stiff. So that's a little bit, that's a little bit of a weird change for me. Um, but, you know, we're adjusting and uh, and it, it'll all be fine, I think. And, you know, we're, Michigan's not doing great right now, especially on the East Coast counties. But, you know, we're, we're getting through it. Um, it's just been weird. The, the social element's just been really weird for me because I just never realized how much I'm used to seeing faces and talking to people. And that's been kind of. Right. Kind of hard, you know. 
Yeah, and see, that's that's the part that, I mean, it, it I can, without this sounding crass, I mean, I can take it or leave it. I'm just, I I get I get the most work done and accomplish the most when it's just me with my head buried and I'm I'm mm-hmm. cranking you know workout, but between you know trying to come up to speed with this new employer and again getting dropped into a, a project right out of the gate um trying to do stuff with the the podcast and still have a few string orders coming in i mean for all intents and purposes i live in my basement right now Me <laughs> but, <too>. um, <laughs> yeah it's so everybody i think everybody's just dealing with it the best they can um i know a lot of people are still going out and bird hunting and and so forth and uh, luckily for me, I, I really don't miss not getting out in the woods to turkey hunt. Uh, but I did, and we were talking about this before we started recording. I did mention, I think last week I was going to go out, even, you know, ask Bella if she wanted to go hang out with me and go spend a little time in the woods. And, and that child, bless her heart. Well, she's not a child anymore, but she's always been the most accident prone individual you've ever seen in the <laughs> woods. If something can go wrong, if she's out there, it will be with Bella and Lori and I were just talking and it was, you know, one of the things that she brought up is, you know, you just, it's the things you have to think about everything now. You know, what if, what if you, you know, got into a, a yellow jackets nest or maybe, you know, one of us got bit by a tick that was, you know, carrying something or, I mean, just anything. And if you go to the hospital now, you're, you're on your own because they won't let anybody else in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a lot to think about right now with everything's going on. So I don't know. I guess I'm probably being a bit more cautious and conservative than I normally would. And I've just been using that time to, to do things around here and, and actually kind of getting some things ready for, for hunting season, even though we're months out, mm-hmm. um, just because it, you know, it helps me still feel like I'm participating, so to speak. Sure. Yeah, I get that. Um, I haven't really done anything in that regard other than, you know, you sent me that new string for, for Phoenix. I got that on there and, um, you know, shoot, I'm going to start shooting that a little bit. And I wanted to stump yesterday, but it rained today. I had all kinds of yard work, so I didn't get a chance to go out this weekend. And, and I'm looking forward, I'm still looking forward to trout season and, and starting and, uh, turkey hunting. So that's right around the corner. Um, I don't, I don't see that changing. You know, they did cancel the spring shoot, which was sad, but you knew that was going to happen. Um, you know, but we're, and then now I guess we're just waiting to see how many shoots actually get canceled. Um, yeah, we, we had to cancel, uh, this month's shoot at our local club, uh, mainly because the, the governor says you can't do it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, Gene and you've, you've, you haven't met Gene. I don't maybe. think I have heard a lot about Gene. But though. you know, but you know Gene. But anyway, Gene and I talked about it, and we just, you know, we ultimately decided with the, the, the age group, the 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 vast majority of the people that come to our shoot, the age group is the ones that are most susceptible. We just said, you know what, we had actually talked about canceling all this months before the the governor did what he did, but then he then he took it out of our hands. So that's the thing. I uh, mean, everybody in the MLA too, and at Compton and everything. I mean, the bulkier people are all in the all in the at risk age demographic, right? So well, that whole at at risk age demographic just really pisses me off anyway because it's almost like they're just trying to make it look worse than they are because you got you know like three age brackets one is one to 18 the next one's 19 to 59 (laughs) what what the hell kind of bracket is that and and then you go from 60 to 80 and it's like i mean it's just like they i don't know 19 to 59 is like everybody (laughs) right and and you say and it, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be real careful because you know I see the stuff on you heard it on Facebook mm-hmm. of all the damn conspiracy theories and and I don't you know look here's the thing if you sit and listen to some of the doctors that have talked about this and the way this thing works and how it basically gets in the cells of your lungs and starts killing cells and as the cells die the and i'm not a doctor i'm just i'm I'm, i play one on tv no i'm I'm repeating some things that i've been listening to but you know once those cells start dying and the 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 virus cells are uh replicating you basically drowned in your in your in your own fluids and you know 
yes, I know all the numbers that people keep talking about, about the flu and how, but I'm just not, I don't know. This thing seriously does concern me and it concerns me from the aspect of if so many people get it at one time, getting treatment is the problem. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily whether or not this thing would, 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 would take you out if you had proper care, but you might not be able to get the proper care. Exactly. Anyway, I, I, so I'm trying to stay away from, from that aspect of it, but you know, it's, it's, there's still a lot of things about the way the media is portraying this that really bothers me. And that whole age bracket thing is one of them. It's like, okay, yeah, you took the biggest, the, the, the largest group of people, put them on one bracket, and hell, no surprise, they have the highest number of cases. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not an idiot. I mean, it, you can figure that out. But there is, there is aspects of it that, that do concern me. So. Sure. You know, makes sense. But I have been sitting around, and you and I talked about this reason we decided to go ahead and, and get this recording um, down this weekend because I do have a couple of guests that we, we've got lined up. But one of the things that you and I, you know, kind of bounced around online is is things that, you know, people that may be, for whatever reason, stuck inside. They, they you know, like you've got kids, um, young kids that you can't just go out and leave them at home alone and, and, Mm -hmm. or put it all on your wife and, uh, those kind of things. So, you know, whether it's a mandatory or because of other situations, people can't get out of the house right now. Um, you know, what are some things that, that outdoorsmen can do right now? And, and I've got a list as long as my arm, we definitely won't touch on all of them. But, um, one of the things that, I think as soon as I brought that up, you jumped back at me with was sharpening broadheads. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not so much sharpening broadheads. It, I think it started out talking about uh, the the common thread that we constantly see is something to the effect of what broadhead sharpens easiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you saw a thread earlier today about something like that, right? Yeah, somebody was on, uh, you know, fa- somebody was on Facebook. I think it was the traditional bow hunters thread and... Uh, it definitely wasn't a stirring up anything post. It was a, a this guy's a knife maker, and he was talking about two different kinds of steels, and talking about Rockwell hardness and all that, and got into it, and then you know a few comments down. He basically he wanted to, he wondered why certain broadheads weren't made with certain steel, and and why can't they be tempered to be to be harder and, and go through bone, whatever. And then uh, people brought up, well, you can't temper them too much because they get brittle. You know, lotta yada yada. Some people got into the shot placement argument. You know, the typical Facebook where everything goes. Um, just it all segues back to whatever you want to do and how angry you are at the time. Um, <laughs> but it's like a bunch of people got on there and they were like, "Well, the biggest pros and cons of broadheads that are mentioned on any review are the fa- are how easy they are to sharpen." And that got me thinking. And then we were talking about that already, and I was like, "How can the con of a broadhead a pro and con how can the pro be that it sharpens easy and the con be that it doesn't sharpen easy and what are we really talking about here is this something that because to me if somebody says a broad any broadhead i've ever had that sharpened easy dull just as easy and well, you can't you can't have one without exactly the so are we talking about you know do you you know we'll get into it here but do you want something that you want to put through an animal one time and that's it? And, or do you want something that you could put through several that's going to be, I mean, I've seen broadheads go through an animal and they're still razor sharp. I've seen, I've seen, I've had broadheads that, that air dulled at the end of every hunt. I mean, there's a, exactly. So I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that? What, well, you uh, well, a lot of thoughts. One of the cans of worm that you opened was the whole shot placement. You know what? I've thought about that <laughs> and how many times I see that come up on posts. And I sw- I, I'm waiting on the time that somebody says that to me in person during one of these discussions because I'm just going to look at them and go, well, duh, Captain Obvious. Thank you for that little nugget. Everybody knows that shot placement's everything. 
Well, and the guy, but and, there are, yeah, but there's more to it than that. The guy, and the guy said he fended it well because the guy said, "Why are we talking about putting anything? Don't don't be buying gear to be putting it through scapulas." And he said, "I ain't aiming for the scapula, but it might end up there." Exactly, and, and that's all he had to say. I don't know. So uh, here, and here's the other part that bugs me about it. If you start looking at all these people that jump into these threads really quick and go, "Well, shot placement's everything," try to find a damn kill photo on their damn Facebook page <laughs> i'm not saying that there aren't some uh, there are, i'm not saying that not that everybody says that but the vast majority you won't find a you won't find an animal that they've taken and i don't know maybe it's because they just constantly let animals walk by because they're waiting on that perfect broadside everything's perfect nothing's going to go wrong five yard chip shot that none of us ever see maybe that's it mm-hmm. but shot placement's a given i think that's wasn't that something that isaac said Isaac oh, Justice, he had a great way times. he put it too. I can't remember how he put it, but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of it's implied. It, he said you, shot placement it, exactly. is an, shot placement shot is, it, is it's implied. implied and it should be implied because nobody's trying it, to miss the vitals. <laughs> and it, that's exactly right. But a lot of these conversations come up because of that "what if" factor. Look, Murphy is going to raise his ugly head. I don't care what if you do this long enough, a shot's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, I think that's where that that most of these conversations get started about what's going to give me the the best potential opportunity when things aren't perfect. When things are perfect, and then you got the people that go too far. Well, if you put the shot error just right, a blunt will kill. Get out of here with that stupid stuff. I, I don't want to hear that crap. I want to I shoot the animal. I want to put the animal down fast, and I want to be able to recover it. And I think that's where all this comes together. But sorry, I well, went down a tangent. You did, but yeah. back on topic. I kind, of, I kind of started it, but I mean, but that's how these threads go. I mean, somebody usually right. has an agenda, and they're irritated more now than ever because I'm actually surprised that some of these places haven't just been shut down online because because people are so chippy right now. Um, but that's where they go now on the sharpening element of things. Like nothing, I've never. Whenever anybody, I've never equated ease of doing something to to quality and and desirability. Like you learn how to do something, so it's easy to do it because you learned how to do it. I don't want something that out of the package is easy to get going. Like for that, when you're talking about taking an animal's life efficiently, um, and I'm not saying that these broadheads, some of these softer broadheads, won't do that they will they'll kill animals i've killed animals with sharp broad with with soft broadheads you know that are are easy to sharp out of the pack sharpen out of the package once you get them going um but i don't want to have to touch them up after every single hunt so i don't know how i mean just you got time on your hands learn how to sharpen something it's not you mean look and i'll I'll say this i got a pretty funny story here i'm just going to get into it so Everybody learns how to sharpen either from someone or maybe they had some experience with a knife or maybe they figured it out on their own. But I, I, I swear, you ask 10 traditional bow hunters how they learned how to sharpen something or how they sharpen something, and they all have a different way to do it. Whether they were taught on a Lansky or they were taught on, uh, you know, on, a, on just a, a, a bastard file or they were... You know, whatever it is, they, they, they figure, or a bench grinder, that they all tell you a way that they do it. And, uh, I never had anything like that. I basically went in a Tom, Tom Hackbard shop, the same shop I went into when I insulted Tom about his bow. It was, <laughs> it was shortly before that. Um, one of the first times I went in there and I said, Hey, um, Tom wasn't there at the time. Uh, somebody else was working there and uh, I can't remember that gentleman's name, but I said, Hey, I, I need a pack of broadheads. I'm thinking about hunting. Um, what do you got? And he gave me a package of six broadheads. Um, I think the ones that he gave me at the time, I think they were an A standard. They were like 125. And uh I took them and he said, And and you want one of these? And he gave me the 16-inch mill bastard file that was hanging there. Big old lawnmower blade <laughs> sharpening file. And I imme- I'm having flashbacks. Yeah, and I and I immediately <laughs> Yeah, somebody else we know, right? And I immediately um 
thought, oh, you just clamp this down on the bench and you run the you run the broadhead down it. You know, I I didn't. I mean, why else would you need that wide of a of a broad of a sharpener? You know, why or right, of a file? Right. And I never even used a file in my life, so I didn't know what to do. So anyway, I, I he goes take these home and practice on these, and and he kind of showed me how to do it. Um, they, of course he was telling me all this stuff, you know, he's telling me, and I like to do a back pass and make it serrated. So it grabs all that tissue. And I like to do this and I like to do that. And, you know, didn't say anything about the front of the head filing it or anything. You know, he basically just, here you go, son, have at it. So I, I took it home, not knowing what to do. And I, I did exactly what he said. I clamped it on the bench and, and I was running the, the blade down, you know, both sides. And I didn't, I didn't know how to get a burr and, Man, those things, it started out at 125, two hours later, I they had to have been down to 60 grains easy, uh, all dilapidated, my hands were black, there were shavings everywhere, the file was all roughed up, I mean, these things were toast, like I, I just blew 35 bucks or whatever I spent, 25 bucks at the time I think I spent on these things, and I was like completely lost in it no idea how to do it. And that was before everybody was putting everything on YouTube and you could figure stuff out. So yeah, I mean, it took a while. I had to burn a whole pack of broadheads and then finally somebody showed me how to do it right. And then I've, I've perfected that over the years, but I mean, had I been able to, I sure, I sure wasn't jumping on any kind of forum or anything and saying, Oh, these weren't easy to sharpen and I'm going to give these a, a negative, you know, didn't know what I was doing. Um, and that's been my whole experience with it. You know, I've had I've had soft and I've had harder ones and whatnot, but I, I never look at a broad head and say, man, I couldn't get this thing sharp and it's a bad head. You know what I mean? I No, I know completely what you mean. And it's, I have yet to find a broad head that I could not get hunting sharp. So, you know, every time I see those, comments or or somebody will make a post about you know this crowd this broadhead's crap because you, you can't sharpen it no the broadhead's fine you can't sharpen it leave it at that it has nothing to do with the quality of the head in most situations mm-hmm. um and i'm I, I guess i'm more speaking to the traditional community yes i don't know i don't know that much about head broadheads anymore outside of the tra- the track me neither so i can't speak um to and i forget that sometimes um, but i mean steve you got i mean you got great experience in it because you pretty much sharpened everything at this point i mean including simmons and a lot of people will shy away from simmons just because they got that curved blade and they don't know how to sharpen them yet other people are like oh simmons is the easiest head in the planet to sharpen you just gotta know how to do it you know, well, and and I think part of that too, though, is I don't have, and this is something I would recommend. So you know, we're talking about things that you know people can do during this this current situation, but I don't have just one method for sharpening heads. Mm-hmm. I can sharpen broadheads on files. I can sharpen broadheads on uh, ceramic sticks. I can sharpen broadheads um, on. Uh, I've actually got some wheels set up on a very small grinder using. Uh, cardboard i can sharpen with that i can i can sharpen on leather i can sharpen on ceramic or um uh, i can sharpen broadheads on the the edge of the my truck window see i've seen you do it on a window before i've seen um, you do it on your jean pant leg yeah i mean you just you 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 need to play around with all these methods because one one method might work better on one head than another two you might be in a situation where you need to sharpen a head and you don't have that whatever Whatever your favorite method is, you may be in a situation where you just you don't have that. Um, how many how many times have we had guests on the show that's talked about you know they got out on this this hunt that they had planned and they realized they had forgotten X. Well, maybe you forgot your your file or or whatever. Uh, so I I think you know even if you feel like you're you're pretty competent at sharpening with whatever method that you use, maybe that's a KME. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's another one I didn't mention. Yep. Take this time, if, if you're competent, competent with that, take this time to learn another method. Maybe that's a file. Uh, I will say this, and it's it's it, it's kind of funny, um, and I'll even throw Tom into this discussion so I'm not saying this about me because I, I don't want this to be about me. But, um, you know, the last, you know, we've been doing this, this uh, Camp Hambush hunt for several years now. And... 
there's it always seems like there's one or or two people that come into that hunt each year that haven't been there before and i can tell you over the last three or four probably even longer every year when you know when everybody's sitting down and start sharpening broadheads and and you start demonstrating how sharp they are maybe you hand you know a head to a ryan tucker and i'm not calling out ryan i'm just saying that you know he's someone that was new this time around and when they see what a really sharp broadhead is, you can just see it on their face, and they're like, "Holy crap!" Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that's listening, and I'm you know I'm not calling anybody by names. I don't care. I just I want to see people be more successful. Yeah. But I'm sure there's people listening right now that are hearing this going, "Well, I'm I, my my broadheads are fine." That their broadheads are mediocre to okay at best when it comes to sharpening. Um, and the only reason I'll say that, and I'll pick on you, buddy, the first time you came down here hunting, uh, you know, I can get them okay. And I took your broadhead and said, uh, well, it's okay. Let's, let's make it better. Um, I think anybody can learn how to make it better. Um, mm. You know, Jay, me and Jason Sam Koviak dis- disagree on some of this. And he and I have talked about it. Um, he's a firm believer that you can't get a broadhead sharp enough using just a file. I'm a firm believer that if you want to take the time to really learn how to do it, yeah, you can. But it's it's not what everybody feel. It's not what everybody's used to doing when sharpening with a file that I do to get a broadhead to that point. I agree, and and there's a and I I've watched you do it and. It's really, it's really, a, it's a feel thing. Like you got it, you kind of know where that. Not to blow smoke up your, you know what, but you kind of know where you're that. You you apply you you apply just enough pressure. So basically, at the very end, the file is just its own weight is on the head, and you're Pretty barely much. taking anything off. And that's definitely a touch thing. You got to be able to feel what that thing is doing, and. If you don't practice it, you can't. I mean, I, I mean, I've I've improved a lot over actually a couple of years ago. I I completely forgot how to sharpen. I was messing all my. I think it was at Cumberland, and I'm like, uh, uh, might have been the year after Cumberland, and I was like, I cannot get these things. I'm like, what am I doing? There's like two or three heads. You know, I was concaving them and uh, you know all this stuff. And you're like, you got your angle too steep. And I I was changing my angle every time I flipped the head because I've always I've always filed filed then stropped and then maybe cardboard or whatever to finish it is usually kind of what I do. And every time I'd hand them to you, they get they, you could always get them just that much better. And usually with just the file, just getting a little bit, you know, just getting less and less and less and less until the, until the, the file is just resting on the head and you, it doesn't even look like it's doing anything. Some people think it's always got to be that like you're, you have to have that. It's like, you just keep resetting the angle over and over and over again. <laughs> well, and you were talking about your your 16 inch file. I have one, and I use it, especially on new heads. Um, but you're 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 really just using that big file to get mm-hmm. the bevel consistent from front to back. And most, a lot of people don't even realize that. Here, here, and maybe that's a good thing to talk about here a little bit. Is you know, if you're if if you're the if you're the individual that goes out and buys a new pack of heads, whatever they are. Um, brand doesn't matter. You buy a new pack of heads and you, you sit down with a file, KME, whatever, and you try to sharpen it. And well, this head, I can't get it sharp. I can tell you right now with 99% certainty, the reason you can't get it sharp is the bevel is not consistent from the front, the back of that head. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing as you're trying to sharpen, you're only sharpening the, 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 points of that edge that are actually touching your sharpening medium because 70% of that the the length of that blade is never touching your your sharpening stone. So, you know, when you when you take that pack of heads out of the pack, the first thing you need to do, pull out a sharpie, coat the edge of that thing, take a a, a heavy file or a coarse stone if you're using a KME and make a few passes and then look at it. And I guarantee you, you're going to have a few shiny spots where it took that Sharpie off. And then the rest of the blade is going to be untouched. And what you have to do is you have to use that abrasive stone or that larger file and get that consistent from front to back so that 
the the bevel on that on that whatever edge you're working on that bevel is consistent from front to back then you flip it over and you do the other side of that of that edge and then you turn your head and you do the same thing with the other uh the other half of that head on the other the other side so you're talking about four four bevels that you've got to get perfect and consistent from front to back once you get there now you're ready to sharpen and i i still believe two things that the average person that has trouble sharpening heads the two things that they're that they're doing wrong is one they're not getting that bevel consistent from front to back and two once they do if they do have that bevel consistent they're applying too much pressure mm -hmm. um so you know as you once you get your bevel right and then you start sharpening even passes consistently lighter pressure until you get to the point where the, you feel like the head is sharp. Once you get to the point where the head's sharp, that's when you need to be looking at, you know, stropping or cardboard mm -hmm. or leather or ceramic, whatever that may be. Exactly. Uh, that's just, that's the honing. That's the finishing touch. And there's a, and, and that's the other thing too. If you're using the arm test and you're trying to figure out, oh, well, you know, look at it, it's grabbing, we're good to go. I mean, you might only have one part of that broadhead that's doing that. It might be one spot that's pulling your hair off and it might not be even at all. I mean, I used to, I used to do that all the time. Like I might have, maybe the wing was sharper than another part of the head or maybe the middle was pulling the hair out or whatever. But you know, a lot of guys will just, they'll sharpen it up and then they'll take it to their arm and they'll say, Oh look, it's popping all kinds of hair off. You know, and then, <laughs> then that's the other, that's the other good one too. That I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about different things I've seen. Oh man, this head's sharp and you watch them run it across their their arm and you're thinking jesus you're gonna have the worst rash once you get <laughs> through gnawing on that arm and because you're yeah you're getting a few hairs <laughs> off but it's not hair popping means very little pressure you're you're ripping the our, our arms just the arms just red and just raw and it's like yeah you know i can shave i can shave my face with a dull butter knife i'm sure too <laughs> <laughs> if I had to get it done in a pinch, <laughs> but I ain't going to like it afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, that was me at first too. I had these big old patches out of my arm and they were just red and swollen and like, what the hell happened to your arms? And I'm like, oh, I was testing my broadheads. And then I think the first time you showed me, you're like, it's not supposed to like pull your hair out like a piece <laughs> of tear, like, like tweezers. It's supposed to just pop off. And then you're just like lightly doing it. And I was like, oh, I'm slicking my arm down with saliva. And, ring. Oh, and, and look, look here for everybody that's listed. We're not neither Nick nor I are picking on anybody. We're not trying. I mean, cause we've been there. I've been there. Uh, you know, I had to learn it's, but I do see that. I have seen that more than once where people, you know, somebody will say, yeah, I've got mine sharp. And they'll, they'll, they'll show me. And I'm like, Holy crap. You know? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. That head will kill. Mm -hmm. The other, the other aspect of this is it's not just about what, uh, what it takes to be effective from a kill perspective. Right. So if you've got a head that's let's, let's, take one of the examples like we're talking about where yeah it'll it'll shave but you're you're giving yourself a, uh, a a skin abrasion when you're trying to get it to shave hair that head will kill a whitetail if it's put in the right place shot placements everything if it if it's put in the right place that animal will die mm -hmm. but that's only half the equation now you got to find it and a head that the sharper the head is, the more likelihood that you're going to have a, a good and decent blood trail that you can follow. Yes, it will probably put the animal down faster than one that's marginally sharp, but either one put in the right place is going to be successful in taking the animal. But again, that's half the battle. You still have to find it. You still have to recover it. I like short blood trails, man, mm -hmm. that a blind man could follow. Um, so, you know, Keep keep both in mind. Mm -hmm. Yep, my first uh, when I took my first deer that year, I, I know my I know that I had one very sharp. I mean, everything went right. It went right through the deer. I had a pass through and everything. It only went thirty yards, forty yards. You know, it, it went all perfect. But that that's another thing altogether. Like, and I'm sure at the time I immediately went on a forum and said I used the I used this broadhead and I put it through a deer last year and it worked fine and I had a great blood trail. Like, 
so <laughs> I mean and a lot of people are a lot of people get that kind of brand like it's weird how fast we cling to a brand in traditional I you know what I couldn't agree more uh Wow, that's a whole nother And I don't know if it's experience. I know it, it probably is another whole conversation. And I don't know if it's just because we have so much passion and then there's that experience and we immediately want to put all of that into whatever we used at the time. And we're like, oh, man, yeah, I'll never use anything but this broadhead. Killed a deer last year, went right through it, short blood trail with this bow and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, well, that probably could have been anything um if you did it right but well not only that but i can tell you right now you may shoot one tomorrow in the exact same place the exact same conditions with the exact same head and the results will be 100 percent different exactly i totally agree i mean it, it, there's so much natural variance in factors i mean we're hunting live things live jumpy things at that it's so much can go wrong so but i i I never like i mean yeah you know i there's brands i really like and it's because i like the people and you know the stuff works great and everything like that but i'm not ready to go to war over a broadhead just because i killed an animal with it that same broadhead could fail. That same broadhead, exactly. Something could change, and now, and 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 vice versa. I'm not gonna sit there and like have one broadhead not do what it's supposed to one time and say that's junk, and then go to war over it on the internet. Like, well, so yeah, there's there's and there's two ways you can look at that. So, um, if you take and and here's where you gotta you gotta start being a lot more specific. So, mm-hmm. if you take a three to one ratio single bevel broadhead i don't care the make i don't care the weight it's three to one that's it you get them both the same with regards to sharpness and you put them both through the animal in the same spot you're gonna have the same results i don't care if it's a and i'll throw some names out here i don't care if it's a grizzly i don't care if it's a tough head not going to be any difference. If you take a Zwicky, and I don't, I'm not a Zwicky. I've never, I've, I've used them in the past, but I haven't, uh, I don't know a lot about their different models. But if you take a Zwicky broadhead that is, um, I don't know, two inches long and an inch and a half wide, and you take a Magnus Classic that's two inches long and an inch and a half wide, and I'm probably way off all my measurements here, but I'm getting, the, the point I'm trying to make is, if they're both the same as far as sharpness and you put them both in the same spot on the animal, the results are going to be the same. I just, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter. People get on the internet, especially on Facebook. What's the best broadhead? You know what? The best broadhead is the one that you could, that you have the sharpest that's on the end of your arrow that you put in the right spot on that day. Doesn't make any difference beyond that. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. Now, outside of that, there are definitely, and again, this is where there's a lot of there's a lot of opinions, and there's even a lot of things that I would say are are based on either I won't say fact, but they're based on uh, good theories. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Simmons, I love Simmons heads. They make a they make a heck of a wound. The main reason I like them is because they're super wide, and I just love a wide head. I only get the chance to put that arrow through an animal one time. Yes, I might get to shoot another arrow into the animal, but that one that I shoot first, I'm, I I don't get to shoot it through again. It goes through one time. Forget follow ups. I like as wide of a head as I can get. That's very sharp. If that head hits the wrong angle. There's there's definitely ways that a Simmons head could be deflected, okay? I think the odds are extremely low, and I just don't worry about it. Sorry, Tom. Uh, <laughs> there, there are um, there are heads that are more prone to that based on their design. Simmons is one. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. Cutthroat a little bit. They've got that weird furl thing. 
you know, there's there's definitely some things that you have to consider with some heads, but for the most part, I just don't think there's there's really that much of an issue with it, especially for whitetails. There are other heads that show up on the market that have rough edges, ragged edges, and I'm sorry, they are not going to penetrate as well, especially if you hit bone. If it's not smooth and it hits bone, it's going to hang up. Even if it goes deep enough, even if it gets past that initial obstruction, it's going to severely uh, hamper the amount of penetration because of the way that broadhead is designed. But for the most part, 95% of the broadheads out there pick one. It just it just doesn't make that much difference. Most of it is marketing hype. And like you said, I agree with you. We get We get hung up on something and, man, we'll defend it to the end of the earth. But for the most part, it just, it again, it, I w- here's the thing. If you told me, if you took a poll of 100 people and gave them 10 broadheads and you ranked them from 1 to 10, I would take that number 10 all day long. If I can, if I can get it sharp, I will hunt with it without hesitation. And I'd much rather do that than take the number one head and go to the woods with it half sharp or not sharp. Mm-hmm. That that that's kind of my that's kind of where I'm at on it. I, I I really think a lot of the what's the best broadhead is the biggest waste of mental power there is. Well, that that's the ease of the ease of sharpness is is interesting in that way if you take a look at it. Because if that particular person, however they learn to sharpen broadheads, can get that head sharp, but they can't get any other head sharp. I'd rather they hunt with that head. A- absolutely. Whatever they're doing, do it. You know? Uh, if it is a softer head, but they can get it sharp, then good. Um, I guess where I get hung up is rating, rating broadheads on ease of sharpness. Because I don't know how you do that. <laughs> Well, there's only one way you can do it. The only way you the only way you can do it is based on the the, the hardness. I mean, mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, it's it's two things, in my opinion. It's the it's the hardness of the steel, and it's the the quality of the job done when the broadhead is before it goes into the pack of creating the bevel. That's it. Because you're you're either going to have a steel that's a lot harder to take metal off of the rockness the the rockwell hardness is higher, or you're going to have to take off a lot more steel because the bevel is just half 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 fast. Um, either one of those I think is going to make the broadhead harder to sharpen. Sharpen. That's a good point. But with the rockwell hardness, personally, I would. If I could have the perfect broadhead, it would be, you know, a, a higher Rockwell hardness with a good solid factory bevel that I don't have to spend a ton of time taking off steel to get it to where I can put an edge on it. But when you talk about your softer broadheads, and you and I both know there are some out there that are that are pretty soft, and yes, you can get them sharp and sharp easier. I would I would go as far as to say because of the the type of steel you can't get it as sharp as I can get a harder steel broadhead. So take that for what it's worth. I don't, I just don't think it's possible. I think because of the softness, you're, you're taking off more metal. Even when you're trying to hone it, you're going to be taking off more metal than you would a, 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 a head with more, a higher hardness um, to the steel, the quality of the steel. The, but the other aspect of it is what you keep talking about, the dulling. And, and look, you said air dull, and that's funny. I laughed at that one. Um, most of the time, the air is not what's going to dull it, but putting it in and out of your quiver will definitely dull it. It's right, you're, You've got it riding around in your, in your car or truck while you're going back and forth to hunt, and those little micro vibrations that you probably don't even notice your vehicle making, that, that head is sitting there in your quiver, and it's just vibrating, and it's dulling it. And here's the one thing that definitely can happen is hunting on a damp or humid or even rainy day. That level of rust that builds up really quick on some of those oh, softer it does. Here, steel heads. Here in Michigan, and it's 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 gone. It is. Your your edge is gone. And and I know all that. I just call it air doll because it's funny. But uh, yeah, that, <laughs> but that's why I wanted to clarify. <laughs> because I mean, you can put them. Uh, I mean, you can even stick them in my 
you I mean, in the humidity and everything, you know, I put them in my Great Northern, they have no chance of banging up against each other. But even just moving a little teeny bit in and out of that foam or in it having a little bit of humidity or a lot of humidity or whatever you're doing, like it'll it'll take that down like nothing. And if you got a pack quiver or whatever, forget about it because that's you're just going to be sharpening your heads. I mean, yep. that, there's no way around it. Uh, but I just find that I do it a whole lot more with some heads that you're always touching these heads up. You take it out of your quiver and you're like, man, I just touched that up yesterday. How is that already dull? I didn't even do anything with it. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's uh, an annoying thing. But, you know, there's also price points on broad heads and there's also... Like I said, pros and cons to everything. And there's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with a soft head. I've killed two deer with soft heads. I mean, it's it's fine. And I know I uh, huh? and I didn't. Well, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying <laughs> the biggest thing when I was at that level of bow hunting was that I could at least get them killable with very little education. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, and and the only reason I said that, and I do want to, I do want to get off this subject because I I do want to talk a little, a little something more than just broadheads before we wrap this thing gotcha. up. But um, to a point, I agree with what you're saying, um, and I say that because here's the thing: I know there are broadheads out there right now that are selling for. I think I saw one one time that was like over a hundred dollars for three heads or something, just absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you don't need that. I don't care what you're hunting. You don't need that. However, I would say there is definitely a difference in that. Let's just say 25 to $50 range. Um, and I do think if you spend $50 on a pack of heads, you're probably going to be getting a better broad head than you would at the $25 range without calling out names. This is not about beating up brands. I'm, I'm really not. What I'm saying is, though, is that old adage that has been around for years, it it never goes away of you get what you pay for. And we've made this joke on here a couple of times before. You know, people say, you know, I, I killed three deer last year with my bow. Well, unless you jumped out of the tree, ran them down, and beat them to death with your bow, no, you didn't. You killed them with the arrow, and the arrow killed them with the broadhead. So when you start talking about people spending, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars or more on a bow and then turn around and, and trying to find the cheapest broadhead and the cheapest arrow that they can shoot out of that bow, it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. If you can afford to spend the money that it takes to get a good quality longbow recurve, then you can afford the money it takes to buy good quality arrows. I don't care if they're wood, I don't care if they're carbon, I don't care if they're aluminum good quality arrows and a good quality broadhead to put on the end of it. And I'll get off my soapbox. No, I think we pretty much beat that to death. Yep. That's yep. It's yeah. I don't know. Bottom line. You've got time right now. There should be no traditional bow hunter on the planet that come September says, I can't sharpen X broadhead. You got the time right now practice and that goes for any year we're using this as an excuse because of the coronavirus and people will shut up in their house but practice that's all you got to do is practice nobody almost nobody does anything perfect the first time spend the time you've got right now to get good at it so that when september goes around you're not worried about dulling your broadheads because you you're gonna have to go buy a new pack because you can't sharpen the ones you have in the store yep um some other things that, that I've been doing, uh, and I, I know you've been doing a lot of reading and, and spending a lot of old vinyl, which I'm, I'm kind of jealous about the old vinyl oh, thing. Yeah. Um, spend some time in front of topo maps. Um, whether that's on your computer, whether you've got printed maps of areas that you hunt. And there's a lot of things I think you can do with that, Nick. And I don't know how much of this you actually do, but... You know, between looking for potential areas that you might want to try that you've never hunted before, um, to to relive in previous hunts, um, thinking about where you were at, and you know, backtracking how you how you managed to get to where you were hunting, and then looking at the surrounding area, and if you don't know, maybe trying to figure out well why why were those deer coming from that direction, or why were they doing what you know? There's there's a lot that you could learn simply by studying maps, and here's the other thing. 
I know there's a lot of people out there because I've had them tell me and, and I, I've really got to get my button gear and do some more <laughs> videos, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't understand what I'm looking at when I look at a topo map. Well, figure it out. You know, there's books on this subject. There's, there's other YouTube, um, uh, channels and, and, and posts on YouTube about how to read topo maps. Now's the time. You know, if you, you know, if you're in a situation where you can't get out, get one out, study it. Um, if you, if you can't, if there's something you're not understanding, then get out and search for it on, on the internet. Chances are you can find an answer. Uh, and I don't know, is that something you, you spend a lot of time doing, Nick, or, or no? I actually just had, um, I had it not for hunting that re- recently, um, but I, I just actually pulled up the Rogue River the other day and I was looking for good trout runs um, that I haven't been to yet or possible steelhead places because um, right. I don't know any steelhead places around here. I don't know anybody around here that fishes steelhead um, and has in the areas that I fish. Um, also looked at a couple of rivers I haven't really spent a whole lot of time on. I remember that, uh, John Mudry and I went to the white last year, but we only spent like one, like, you know, one night there and you can't cover a whole lot of ground there. Uh, so I'm looking at some other places, but with trout season right around the corner, that's something I'm definitely interested in. Um, haven't done a lot of, uh, haven't done a lot of scouting, for turkeys or anything like that yet. I think John's pretty much doing all that. Um, just cause we're going back to, I think the same areas we usually have, but, uh, I, um, I'm definitely doing it for the, for the fishing and I'll be doing it for deer hunting here pretty soon. So yeah, I haven't done a lot this year cause I've just been worried about other stuff, but now is a good time. That's for sure. Plus I've been writing a lot. So I'm trying to get my second book going here. So I got a little bit too much going on, I think, but I got to get on a topo map more. What about you? You've been doing that lately? Yeah. In fact, I, I snapped some some pictures and posted them on the uh, traditional outdoors community last week on Facebook because as I was, you know, doing, I thought, you know what, there might be some other people that that hadn't thought about this, and I just I threw some pictures up with some, you know, questions about you know uh, who prefers cyber maps over you know printed maps and then another one about you know do you print them if you have printed maps do you do you fold them or do you roll them and that kind of thing uh but yeah i have i dug out in fact one of the ones i was looking at was um yankee springs uh because i you know i don't know that i'll make it back up there this year or not but definitely want to head back up there in the, in the very near future if not this year then next year for sure mm-hmm. um but you know it's just it's something that Actually, I enjoy doing it. Every time I sit down and look at them, I start, you know, I find something that, you know, I've never been in that area or, you know, I've been in this area, but I never noticed that, you know, there was this point or maybe there's this uh, natural funnel created by a a saddle or, you know, know, whatever. Um, So, yeah, and I actually enjoy sitting down and just just studying maps. Um, As boring as that sounds, it's... um, gives me something to look forward to. So I enjoy, you know, it. I get a little more excited. I, I, I need to do it the other way where I, I haven't really that Heiser Lake spot. I, 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 I spent a little bit of time. I'd never actually had boots on the ground in some of those places and went out and investigated it. Um, didn't really work out the way I wanted it to, but I had, um, what I tend to do is if I'm, if I'm, I end up in a cool area that I hadn't been to before, and I find some stuff that I really like there, um, and I want to hunt there, then I'll really look into it. So I tend to be somewhere first and then look at it. But gotcha. I don't go into a lot of places blind, um, and probably because a lot of the public land around me are just small pieces that aren't, you know, other than Yankee, um, which I'm kind of familiar with Yankee now. I've been out there with John so much that we kind of know where stuff is. But, yeah, I would like to look into some new spots, but... I am really intrigued by the fishing part of it, though, because for one, I'd really like to find a brook trout stream, something, some little stream fishing I'd really like to try to do. And there's got to be fishing around that's not just big river fishing. There's got to be some little streams. Um, I just I got to look more into to finding that stuff. But it kind of just occurred to me the other day, like, you know, I could probably find some fishing spots here by looking at these things. I just never tried. Definitely can. And then you can start looking at your. The, the best ways to access it too, if it's, if it's really off the, off the beaten path. So, well, uh, man, yeah. I just, I just, like I said, I love looking at maps. I know you do. Um, you're, you're quite the, 
quite the topo nerd, that's for sure. And then the the other thing that I thought of, and we'll we'll touch on this one in just a few minutes, and then we'll wrap this thing up. But I'm surprised I haven't heard anything out of you on this topic. But uh, I actually dug some of my fly fishing stuff out of out of storage the other day. If this goes on much longer, I'm gonna try to sit down and and like I need them. I've got enough flies right now to last me like ten years, but. Um, I haven't, I haven't done a lot of fly tying in the last couple of years and, um, figure I'm probably pretty rusty. So this might be a, a good opportunity to, to brush up on, on skills that are getting a little rusty right now. And for anybody that, you know, maybe you, you've, you've bought the stuff, but you've never really sat down and committed, or maybe there's some new patterns that you'd like to teach yourself how to, how to do again. Now's a good time to be doing that. You've got the you've potentially, you know, for some of us, we you've got the time and you've got the availability to, to, to sit down and learn a new skill. So well, I think my problem is that I ran out of hooks and then all this happened. Well, yeah, that would be a problem if you don't have <laughs> then, hooks to tie flies And on. then all this happened and then it was like, okay, well now I can't just go down to the Orvis shop. I have to actually order them. And, uh, you know, but I, I do got to get into, I, I, I actually did order some, I, I really go through, uh, Hare's ears here, hare's ears, deer hair caddis, and uh, pretty much um, what's the other one I use? All the pheasant tails. We just we right. just go through those like crazy wherever we fish. So in different sizes. So I bought a couple packs because it was just cheaper to do it, and I was just like, well, I'm just gonna order these. And uh, because we had that trout fit, we had that trout trip coming up here the week after the spring shoot, which would have been mid May. I don't know what's going on with that now. It's not a very big group of people, and you can definitely get some distance. And so I don't know what is going to end up happening between here and now, if we're going to do it or not. But I kind of stocked up a little bit and knew exactly what I needed. And uh, I had already tied. You you remember when I started, I kind of went on a tear when I actually started having some success with it. So I have tied a lot of hare's ears. So I got quite a bit, but I really need to work on my dries. So that's probably something I'm going to do pretty soon is really try to get a, a caddis pattern down that's actually decent um well and I, I i know you said you'd have to order them and i i don't know about all the you know the shops that you normally shop at but i will tell you this our buddies at at uh mad river i saw they put something out last week or week before last that i think it was week before last now that they you know they had to close the doors to the public but they were still doing um online orders so oh, um, i'd rather give them some of these I'm sorry. I'd rather give the money to them. Yeah. Well, and that's just, you know, that's, that's one of the points that, you know, and obviously everybody's, a lot of people right now are, are concerned about, you know, their jobs. I know there's unemployment rates really high and so forth, but I would just say, you know, if you're, if you're lucky enough to, to feel pretty confident in your job and so forth, you know, support some of these, some of these stores like this, because, you know, we're going to get out of this and, and you're going to want some of these, these, uh, stores and vendors that you're used to doing business with to still be around. And, you know, they can't, they can't survive if, if they're not getting uh, revenue either. So just keep it in mind. Um, but I know, I know, uh, I did see them post that. So I know that they're still open. They're just not, you know, they, they're not letting people into the store, but they are still shipping stuff. And they out. have a lot of great YouTube content too. And they do. Yeah. So. We need to get them back on again. I need to reach out. Maybe this will be a good time if they're, they've probably got time on their hands. So maybe I'll, I'll try to reach out to them sometime next week or so and try to get those guys back on. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it really people would. Are kinda, it really people would. are really going to be chomping at the bit to get on the trout screen, air stream here pretty soon. So, yeah, that'd, yep. be, that'd be good. I haven't eaten And I got to get a hold of, speaking of that, I got to get a hold of Scott Spray. I haven't talked to him in sheesh, well before all this happened. You know, I haven't either. And I actually had... had toyed with the idea of having another rod made for the um, trip up to Canada in June, but I think for right now I'm going to get by with, with what I have. But I am wanting to get a, a heavier rod from Scott than what I've got. All of mine right now are, you know, lightweights. you got them little noodle um, sticks. I do, but they're a lot of fun, <laughs> yeah, man. And that's something else you ought to see. In fact, I'm going to try to talk to him pretty soon about having him on to talk about this. But uh, this is a whole nother conversation. I do. We do need to wrap this up, but you should see the, the rods that Derek Sheehan is building right now. Really? Oh my, oh my God. They're absolutely beautiful. He's doing, he's making split bamboo fly rods. I heard you, he, t- he talked hand. about doing that when I saw him at, um, Kalamazoo, but I haven't actually seen any of them yet. Oh, he had two of them at, um, when he, when we had to hand bush hunt down in 
uh, Georgia, South Georgia a few weeks ago. Um, and just, man, they're absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. So, yeah, I'm going to have to reach out to him, too. We're going to have to get him on. Man, I just seen him at the spring um, shoot, too. That's a bummer. I'm going to have to reach out to him and yeah. have him send me some pics. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that tonight. I'm going to send him a message tonight and just say, you know, uh, would like I'd like to get him on and, and be sure he's got enough to talk about 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Um, but it it, it I'd, I'd love to hear more about the whole process because they are absolutely Oh, yeah, gorgeous. bamboo is a whole other dark side. Some of the – It is. Yeah, I, it, I'd be really interested in hearing that. And Derek, it, Derek would be a good one to talk to about it because he's, he's kind of Tom technical. So that'd yep, be, he is. Yep, so. Well, anyway, you think we, you think we wrap this up? Yeah, I think we wrap this up. I think we we've managed to probably put enough people to sleep at this point. So yep. So uh, so the takeaway of this, if you're on Facebook and somebody put <laughs> and somebody posts a broadhead thread, <laughs> and if you post and if you post that it's easy to sharpen and that's why you should buy it, I'm gonna get real irritated. <laughs> I'm gonna get a virtual eye roll. I'm not gonna say anything. So that silence is worse so, than anything I could say. <laughs> so that's Nick's takeaway and moral of this story. <laughs> My takeaway and moral of this story is if you're sitting in the house with nothing to do, you're just not being creative enough with figuring out things that you can do to to get better prepared for the next time you are able to get outdoors. That, and with that, we'll, <laughs> we'll wrap this one up before Nick sticks his foot in his mouth again. <laughs> All right. Nice talking to you. <laughs> All right, man. Later. Everyone else, take care. Stay healthy. Look for you. Look for us ahead. Stay healthy and look for us again next week. Take care. All.